Well, today we have a special guest, one of those great digital leaders working out in our industry. And this person has over 40 years of experience, which I can't quite figure out because that would mean she started when she was about two. Uh, she's got amazing clinical experience too on the nursing side, but really paired that up with 15 years of experience on the technology side. And we love that when they bring that together to really make a difference in clinical care. Uh, I find this one just crazy to even think about. She's delivered and helped implement over 150 EHR go-lives and is a true leader in EHR optimization and implementation. It is our pleasure to welcome a dear friend of Chimes, one of the amazing leaders in our Chime Foundation, Becky Manny, who is the Executive Vice President of Training and Activation at Optimum Healthcare IT. Welcome to the Leader to Leader podcast program. Thank you so much, Russ. Well, first of all, how are our friends at Optimum doing? You, your family, everyone during these absolutely crazy times. Uh, thank you so much for asking. My family and I are doing so well. We've been very fortunate. Um, and the Optimum team, we are doing well as well. We're making all the needed adjustments to, to pivot to this new normal or this new world that we are living in. So uh, you actually live in uh, St. Charles, Missouri, which is actually right down the, the place from where I used to live. I was in Chesterfield and and part of the whole Missouri, uh, the Mercy Gang uh, there. Is, is that what you're calling home and, and hunkering down at this point? Yes, actually, we were, we were both uh, clearly then at Mercy as well. I spent 22 years um, as a nurse and an operational leader at Mercy. I live in St. Charles, which is just a bit west of St. Louis and uh, kind of has that small town feel with the big city perks. Um, and that is where I call home. Yeah, that's one of the things we loved about our years in St. Louis is it's a really big conglomerate of little cities, just a great place for everybody to grow up and have families there. Yeah, it's a great town. So obviously just craziness going on for the last, well, what are we in now? Five months, six months, eight months? We can't even keep track of COVID time anymore. So, so you, you talked about how Optimum's doing well. How have you kind of flexed and, and looked at your vision and philosophy as an organization to try to continue to help your customers, but also to address the stuff that's going on right now? Right, right. Very challenging. And, and we really have stayed very close to our, our, our values and our mission, um, being very service-oriented, really honing in on that integrity piece, bringing that level of integrity and innovation uh, to our clients. Um, and then obviously striving to be that reliable uh, client partner, even through these very trying times. Uh, so we've had to focus um, and, and pivot basically because of COVID. Uh, we've had to we've had to do a little bit of pivoting here. And so to your point, uh, my last day of travel was uh, gave true meaning to a Friday the 13th. Uh, March 13th, I flew out on that Friday and uh, will return to travel here in a few weeks. But with that, we had numerous teams deployed. And so we had to revision um, and realign how we were going to continue to partner with our clients. Uh, so we began to look very, very strongly at those abilities to provide support, uh, to provide that partnership in a virtual world. Uh, and that's that's been our focus, really, uh, really looking at those technologies and the strength that technology and the advances that it's made to really make our partnerships uh, 
almost paralleled and seemingly as if we were at somebody's shoulder around the conference table, et cetera, uh, but virtually. So Zoom, Team, all of those other platforms have really uh, come into play and our technology partners, our technology offices in, in Jacksonville uh, have been very supportive to be able to help us maintain our business uh, and really grow our business. We, we actually, from a virtual perspective, are um, enjoying very busy times here because of the the innovative ways in which we are now partnering with our with our clients so no different than telehealth and we'll talk about that maybe in a little while it, it's almost like the equivalency of that for the delivery of services and traditional consulting do you think you'll ever go back to that old way of doing business where we're always getting on planes and flying all around the world or does this kind of balance that out and there's a little bit of normalcy to it not not so much plane and hotel time so that's such a great question and and so relevant uh to really be able to look at and and for the years that i've been in this ehr implementation arena you know we've always had that mantra of our goal has always been to bring the smallest number of individuals to a campus that have the right skill sets for the appropriate amount of time because we want to really have a minimal footprint in the in our client partners uh, campuses to minimize risks etc and and now it's been it's more important than ever so i do think for us to your to your point there that we're probably going to live in that hybrid area where um, in particular where it makes sense uh, that we would remain virtual but when it's appropriate we would be on site I know from an activation perspective, we are definitely looking at more of that hybrid model. So instead of bringing those hundreds of individuals on site to be supportive, uh, we'll have the larger group virtually supporting and we've been incredibly successful with this model now for numerous clients since March, uh, providing that, that virtual model. But then in those key areas where it really does make sense to have either strong internal super users supported by on-site experts, uh, we'll, be, we'll be bringing smaller teams. So we'll live in that hybrid area. And I really do think uh, that is where our future will be. Well, there's gotta be some real benefits to less people on the ground, less stress, less travel, less that whole world. There's also gotta be some cost savings too. Have you already seen some of that? Absolutely. The client that we did, we, we were interestingly enough, when everything started escalating and states started restricting travel, we were about 45 days from a go live. Uh, and so we had already planned for hotels, travel logistics, so we knew what that cost would be. And that particular client, about 45 days prior to go live, we did a complete pivot to 100% virtual. And that client appreciated a savings of more than $650,000 in logistics alone. Wow. Well, good on you all to say the least, because I think I've, over my years as a CIO, put every single different brand name EHR in at some place I worked. And I can't even fathom doing all that from a virtual perspective, never mind what our, our Chime members are doing by doing all their IT support from at home. For the most part, a little bit of boots on the ground, but that's crazy. Right. So you probably had to flex as well to even help people through this COVID time. How did you do that? Absolutely. So we had several clients that reached out to us because by their their um, governments, their, their state governments, et cetera, they were asked to increase their bed capacities, um, inviting back some coworkers that potentially had left the workforce for numerous reasons. Uh, so we participated actually in several virtual rapid response desks 
uh, for organizations to help them navigate through individuals that were coming back and really needed to provide support to the, the influx of patients through the, the spike time uh, when this all started March, April, in that time frame. And so we provided that support uh, in addition to inviting folks back that had left the workforce, but also, um, as you, we all saw on the news, many of the healthcare team members, their roles expanded. So we were there virtually um, at their elbow, but virtually basically at their ear. Uh, they would use our technologies, dial in, and we'd be able to support them with their questions based on their expanded roles and the functionality of the EHRs that they were using. So uh, it was very powerful, very meaningful. Um, we really felt like we were able to participate um, in a positive way to help uh, organizations through the crisis. Yeah, and, and now there's all kinds of different impacts from that, whether that's some stressed economics or, you know, actually probably the thing we're hearing the most of now is is some burned out frontline workers, whether that's the support side or the clinical side. So it's, it's now kind of a second wave of challenge for so many of these organizations that have been working so hard and so diligently. That kind of brings up another concept is, you know, we're hearing from most of our CHIME members a very consistent theme, and that is that their plates were full before this started, then their plates got just insanely full as doing all the things they had to do to respond to COVID. And instead of settling down, you know, maybe even with a little less resources, whether that's, that's financial capital or human capital, now they're looking at this great benefit of IT that everyone's seen and wanting more and more. And their plates are getting fuller and fuller and fuller. And, you know, the concept of full is absolute, but we're talking about it keep getting fuller and fuller as if there's more room on this. How are you seeing organizations adjust to this right now relative to maybe the worst expected demand that we've ever we've ever seen for a very fairly positive reason? Right, right, exactly. And so, you know, while they're while they're dealing with, uh, you know, many organizations with their furloughs, uh, potentially inviting some of those individuals back into their workforce, realigning their workforces. Uh, but really, truly, to your point, that full plate, but I still need to meet as an organization those transformational goals that I've set out for myself. So whether it is upgrades, it's, it's innovation based on additional applications um, in my EHR and so forth, um, mergers and acquisitions, all of those things that were part of the transformational plan for organizations have been challenged. Uh, so to your point, uh, really looking at and um, de determining what from a virtual perspective that we can do to, to remain a good, relevant partner um, at the lowest cost. So, so virtually, obviously, there's a lot of cost savings. Um, and then looking to be able to make sure that we have that same positive impact um, in that virtual world. So it's still meaningful. Uh, the other thing that we are really working on, um, as all organizations are across the country, is really leveraging because of all those decreased volumes that we had um, from elective cases, procedures, um, office visits, et cetera, is really making sure that we are expanding the capabilities from a telehealth video visit perspective. Uh, and so that, again, to ensure that we are continuing to provide healthy care, um, as well as being able to accommodate all of those illnesses that are coming in. And again, as we're all you know, basically preparing ourselves for this upcoming flu season and, and what is the, the pandemic gonna look like 
Uh, so really leveraging the technologies and the virtual options as best we can uh, through this to really help kind of ease that pain of those revenue impacts for organizations and helping to co almost compartmentalize their initiatives, uh, but still keep folks moving in a positive direction. Yeah, you mentioned one of the biggies that we're seeing out there. Obviously, we saw the huge adoption of telehealth, virtual care, remote observation, all those type of things occur out of pure necessity, but also, you know, just a way to leverage investments that were already made. And now we're starting to see some, you know, different ways of this being looked at. We're starting to see some fairly significant decreases in some, a sharp decrease and a leveling off somewhere new. And in some organizations, actually a very, very sharp, almost back to pre-COVID numbers on this. You know, how are you helping people out in the organizations assess what virtual care really looks like, non-COVID, but really looks like moving forward? Uh, even the doctor today that I talked to trying to reschedule a, a, a specialty appointment said, well, we're really not doing virtual care. Then I said, I'm going to really go find another doctor. They said, well, in that case, we'll, we'll do a televisit with you. Right. Uh, it was almost a strange mindset that's out there in the industry. Right? Like We can't quite figure out what this thing really is going to look like long term. Right. And I think that all goes back to that comfort level where we continue um, as as is normal for all of us as as humans. Right. We, we look to that comfort level of what what we did before COVID and we were comfortable driving in and seeing our physician. Um, and really, I think what we are doing and what we're trying to promote is working both with the provider side as well as the patient population side in the variety of patient por portals to allow individuals to become more comfortable with those technologies. So even though I'm not sitting in that provider office, and clearly there are instances and diagnoses where I need to be sitting in an office, but there are others uh, that I don't need to. Uh, so working through that and having that comfort level with the technology and that connectivity to make sure that we can continue to leverage that virtual experience but make sure that it's meaningful and, and that we both on both sides, provider side as well as patient side, feel comfortable and feel like both of our needs were met. I as a physician feel like I, I totally uh, was able to assess my patient and, and have that confidence that my assessment is valid. And as a patient, I feel like that physician heard me, saw me, we were able to interact and I feel comfortable in, in what he has now shared, he or she has now shared with me. So we're really working on both sides of that because to that point, pre-COVID, we didn't really embrace that as much. Uh, and then we were almost forced to do so to keep volumes and, and keep patients being able to be seen. Uh, so really looking at that and making sure uh, that physicians, uh, number one, have that time allotted in their schedules, uh, appropriately so, as well as patients making sure prior to that appointment We've done some work with them to make sure that they're comfortable in scheduling the appointment, they know the capacities, and they know how to connect. So that's just one of the ways that we are, we are working to really be uh, positive in this arena to make sure that we can continue to connect folks virtually. Uh, and there are some diagnoses, some, some diseases that, quite frankly, are beneficial to stay out of um, offices. So, you know, you have your immunocompromised, et cetera, that really they're probably safer from home for many instances. And so we want to make sure that we can ensure that and, and folks that um, are a distance away, we want to we also be able to, to expand those facilities and services so that they can also take benefit of, of televisits. Interesting. 
So one of the things, and, and it's just been the nature of healthcare. Uh, I've been doing this for nearly three decades, you a few more years, um, but not many. And it's, it's always kind of the same first couple of pages of a playbook when anything happens, whether it's the economy's having issues or political issues, or in this case, a pandemic, the first answer is when we see any struggles is cost cutting, personnel cutting, start getting rid of expenses. Instead right. of looking for, maybe this is the time to rally around efficiency and revenue production, and yes, maybe cost cutting, but really from the lenses of how do we improve our organization? You know, what are your thoughts on helping organizations Sometimes cutting costs is very short-sighted. You've got to look at what's the best thing to do long-term, too. Absolutely, absolutely. And that is something that, uh, honestly, before COVID, we were engaged in and have been engaged in for several years in looking at, to your point, those efficiencies. We've been working with provider groups, uh, primary cares, as well as specialty groups, to really help them understand what their workflows are and really to gain those efficiencies in their EHR. Uh, so what were their pain points? What are their, what are their areas where they continue to struggle? And working with them in group, either by service line or one-on-one, -on -one, um, helping them really to become more efficient so that at the end of their day, it truly is the end of their workday. They're not going home with things. Uh, what that also allows is, you know, for those unexpected visits that happen, um, to look at the, those pieces from an efficiency perspective. We are also going to start looking at expanding that to, um, to advanced practice, uh, as well as nursing other clinical uh, roles to look at how their workflows go. And it goes back to even the basics of looking at from a physical standpoint, what is, what is your workflow as the patient walks in the door, et cetera. So that's a great point. And those are all those efficiencies to your, to your point of, you know, looking at that versus just cost reduction. Uh, what are those efficiencies so that perhaps in that potential day, I may actually be able to, if I streamline things, be able to see more patients or be able to have some balance of closing out uh, my work with, with a patient before I go into the next patient. So those are all things uh, from a provider perspective, provider efficiency, satisfaction, because the other thing that we don't want to see, uh, and you brought it up earlier, was that burnout of those frontline coworkers. We really want to make sure that we do everything we can from an efficiency perspective so that we also have retention of the workforce that's there. They clearly have done yeoman's work through all of this. And so we want to sit back now and kind of debrief and listen to what they found or barriers and work with those to really develop those efficiency paths uh, because we want to retain those individuals, right? Every organization wants to retain those individuals. And so those are those goals of efficiency, workflow, physical layout that we want to look at to make sure that we really are providing the best care uh, and obviously at the lowest cost, but, but looking at that retention factor as well. So, Obviously, you mentioned a lot of things that you all do and a lot of things that you all do to try to help not just Chime members, but really the industry as a whole. And that really comes down to the delivery of service. And, and I, know, I know your CEO well, I know your organization well. You all pride yourselves on, on doing that a little bit differently. What does customer service, what does customer success look like from your all's definition? 
Sure, absolutely. You know, uh, exceeding expectations has always been our foundation. Uh, so defining that customer access, success uh, is really looking at them and having, having our customers see us as that trusted partner and meeting and exceeding their expectations, having them really view Optimum and anyone that comes to their table, so to speak, as an expert in the, in the arena that we've been hired to, to advise on, so to speak, um, but really being there for them through the thick, through the thin, navigating those potholes of whatever that transformational project is for them. Uh, that is where we want to be. Uh, we also are just now uh, leveraging something that we're calling right now last mile training. So being able to educate individuals new to the healthcare arena and providing a partnership with organizations uh, for folks that are, are truly having some mentorship by experts within Optimum and others uh, who have great expertise in specific areas, whether it's the clinical EHR, revenue side, et cetera. But, but really having that client say they have a consistently exceeded our expectation and I know if I call, they will be there for me and we will be able to problem solve together. So speaking of your customers, you probably like so many others have been, and for your sake, working right outside of St. Louis and St. Charles. Uh, but I'm starting to hear a few uh, kind of people venturing out into the real world now. I've probably talked to some of our foundation partners over the last few days. Um, all of them have a few people that are giving it a try. When are you gonna hit the road again? I hit the road in two weeks, actually. Uh, we have an organization that uh, we are going to be delivering an on-site team to. So I will be out in two weeks, uh, standing side by side with my client partner and this particular partner I've worked with for six years now. Um, and that is the other part of, of really kind of being able to set that bar on success with your client is when they continue to invite you back to their campus with each and every new initiative they have, that they come directly to you. Um, and this is one of those partners. So in two weeks, I will be on site with this partner as they um, bring on yet another organization to their EHR, EHR platform. And we will lock arms virtually, socially distanced, um, and, and execute on this, on this great initiative. They actually were slated to go right when things were spiking in April and they had to postpone. Uh, so we will be re-engaging. Um, and we will launch again. This will be our sixth, uh, coming to the end of our sixth year of partnership with them. So, so not necessarily on site. What are you doing to get your mind around from home being there for now almost six months to going back on the road? What What are you thinking through at this point and and people getting back out there? Everything sure. from driving to an airport, all those kinds of things in between. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you stock up on your, your uh, antiseptic gels and your masks and all of that sort of gear that you didn't have to pack traditionally uh, prior to COVID. Uh, but that mindset of, you know, making sure that you have that presence um, is what I'm looking at, that presence, because we're all stressed. Everyone is stressed as they travel in. And I know that the travel industry has made great strides in ensuring that we're all safe. Uh, but really, how do we change? How do we change what we do from normally being very welcoming? Um, you know, the team I've been working with, uh, I've been with Optimum for eight years. And so many of the folks that 
we have on site, I've, I've truly had with me and on, on this team for all these years. And so we are much like a family, but we have to now be a socially distanced family. So making sure that we convey that same sense of, of um, camaraderie and confidence, uh, but without the, the closeness uh, to be socially distanced and, and just be prepared, be smart, be safe. We wanna be able to continue to, to work in this industry. So we all have to, to do our part. Um, with our masks and our antiseptics and staying socially distant. But while we do that, we also have to be very mindful and I think a little bit of extra patience uh, because of the anxieties that are out there right now. So, so based on that, you know, you're, you're, everybody calls it different things, the new normal or just what normal and Simon Sinek even says, there's no such thing as new normal, there's just now. And you just deal with now kind of out in front of you right now but what do you see the industry looking like in 6 12 18 months are we just back to kind of old world or are we going to learn some hugely epiphic lessons during this time that will radically change healthcare delivery what do you think it might look like from your from your lenses yeah i'll tell you i think uh if there is a bright side not that there really is but i think this this gave us that little nudge that we needed to understand that everyone doesn't have to travel all the time, that we will likely live in that hybrid world where when it is appropriate, we will be on site. Uh, when it is applicable, we can remain virtual. And, and I think, you know, earlier in our conversation, the technologies have made huge, huge leaps um, in being able to connect us and being able to see individuals. Uh, I know myself, being able to actually see someone, if it's virtually, that's great. Um, obviously, I'd prefer to be on site and see you, but to be able to see you and, and get that, that sense of how you're feeling. Um, and I think that's where these platforms, uh, we heavily use Teams. Um, I know Zoom is there and, and many others, but being able to actually connect and not just hear you, but be able to see you. And I think that's, that's gonna be so, so powerful um, and as we continue to refine these methodologies from a virtual connection, uh, I think you'll see that difference um, in insisting that folks be on site um, to really looking at very carefully and deliberately who needs to be on site and how should we office them, so to speak, versus how can we manage having that gentle balance between those individuals that can be on site, give us the temperature, communicate, et cetera, and having that larger group uh, virtual. So with uh, a, quite a few years, we'll again keep you young here, <laughs> quite a few years of experience here, you probably had some great lessons in leadership along the way. Kind of in a final thought as our time is coming to a close, what are some, some kind of great ideas, some lessons, things you want to share that have been the principles that you try to lead from and guide from? Sure. For me personally, I will tell you um, authenticity, integrity, uh, really being passionate about what you do. Um, I think that translates uh, clearer and truer than, than anything, that integrity, honesty, um, and really being that service leader. And I think in this time, the, the great ideas and being able to deliver um, really with that level of confidence in this new world that we're venturing into of looking at how do we balance things. Um, I really do look to embrace and, and really 
hope to be able to advise our client partners to embrace the technologies that allow them to continue with their projects, their transformational projects, but really embracing that technology from not only um, the, us as as external vendors coming into their campus, but within their campus. You know, many of the challenges that we have are the technologies that coworkers have uh, inside their walls, but also when I go home, how can I continue to be able to embrace perhaps educational materials and so forth? Uh, so those are those things that I'm seeing already that folks are starting to really think about, organizational leaders are starting to think about, and as a very passionate um, leader, in this world that I've been in now for for many decades, uh, being able to continue that and create that creativity, that that ingenuity um, in this technology married up with the clinical spaces, um, I think will will really provide us with a lot of advances moving forward. Well, I think this is a perfect example of why we we even have this podcast series as we hear great leaders who are doing things like pivoting and flexing and actually leading the change for themselves as others are changing. It's so great to hear that the, our friends at Optimum are doing well. They're conquering these challenges and actually maybe even creating a few opportunities out of those challenges. So with that being said, Becky, thank you so much for your leadership. Thank you for the important part you are to our industry as a friend of Chime, but also just really the industry as a whole. It's great to see great leadership. Thank you for being on the program today. Thank you so much, Russ. It really has been a wonderful opportunity and such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. We would also like to thank our listeners for joining us for this episode of the Leader to Leader podcast. You can always visit us for this program or any of ours on Spotify, Apple, or at our site, chimecentral.org forward slash media. For now, please take care, stay home. If you can't stay home, wear your mask, be safe, and God bless.